So let's get into the word this morning, amen. Go ahead and grab your Bible, grab your phone, whatever you use, and we're going to get back into the word of God. So the last several weeks, um, the last several weeks we have been talking about a collection of things. But it stemmed from about five or six weeks ago where we started talking about living in the balance. Oh, no, no. Living um, in the balance of grace and faith. Amen. And how many of you know it takes both to live successful? Um, The Bible says that the just shall live by faith. Another translation says you ought to just live by faith. You ought to just live by faith. Pastor and I have often said that we believe one of the most important teachings a person can receive after they have made a conversion and have believed on Jesus is that of the idea of what faith is and how faith works. We are firm believers because the Bible says that everything we receive from God, there's only one way we receive it, and it is how. By faith. You received your salvation by faith. You came and you asked the Lord to save you. And by your faithfulness, by your, not your actions, but your faithfulness in asking him, knowing he would do it, the Bible says that you were saved. And so this morning, uh, I wanted, we're going to teach a little this morning. Um, So that means you're going to have to kind of tell your mind already to get itself adjusted and and get ready to to learn a little so then we can apply this to our lives. Because one of the things that I was studying in, as I'm reading through this, and I'm I'm, I'm reading, I'm I'm reading my Bible, I'm listening to God, I'm I'm listening to Andrew Womack, I'm going back, I'm hearing what he has to say about certain things, because he's a wonderful, wonderful teacher uh, about faith, and not, and not in this, not in this sense that somehow we, um, we do something to get God to do something. Because how I many know God's not a genie? So, so you don't get to do something and then make God do something. In fact, God's already done everything he's going to do. Yes. God's already done. People say, what do you mean by that? I mean, God has literally done everything he, has all, he was ever going to do. He's already done it. The issue is, is that sometimes we don't realize it and we don't know it. And so because we don't realize it and we don't know it, then we don't access what is actually available to us. Amen. And so this morning, you can write this at the top of your paper if you're taking notes. I want, I want us to, to talk from this particular subtopic, and that is faith is based on knowledge. Faith is based on knowledge. If you do not understand how to use something, no matter how sophisticated it is, it won't be functional for you. I give you a prime example. I can give you the most high-tech calculator in the world. But if you don't know how to graph, I can give you the rise and the run. But if you don't know the proper way to put that in that calculator, if you don't know the proper buttons to push, it doesn't matter how expensive, it doesn't matter what the quality of that calculator is, if you don't know how to use it, it is worthless to you. On the same token, it doesn't matter how powerful faith is. If you don't understand what faith is, if you don't understand how faith works, it is useless to you. 
You can hear good preaching. You can go to great conferences. You can have good feelings. You can be excited. You can have emotion. But if you don't understand faith and you don't understand how it works and where it comes from and how to use it appropriately, it will be useless to you. Amen. We read last week, and I don't, we don't even have to go to it, but I guess maybe they have it up here. Let's go to Hebrews, if you have it. Hebrews 4. Uh, we read something last week in Hebrews 4 that I thought was important. And here's what it says. It says, let us therefore fear. Now, this word fear doesn't mean terror. This word fear here means to reverence. It says, let us therefore reverence God. It says, or a promise that has been left unto us. What is the promise? Entering into what? His rest. Now, what does it mean to enter into his rest? As a, as a younger person, when I used to teach this, I always thought entering into rest had to do with death. Because, you know, say, you know, rest in peace. No, no, no. This particular rest, if you look it up, is this place of shalom. Now, when I got that, I thought, now, wait a minute. I know what shalom means. Shalom means what? Peace. And the word peace means what? Nothing missing and nothing broken. So notice what he says. He says, reverence God so that the promise that was left you of entering into this place of nothing missing and nothing broken. He says, and if any of you should seem to come short of it. Now notice he says, seem to come short of it. In other words, he says, when you know your God. You will enter into this place of rest, this place of peace, this place of shalom, nothing missing and nothing broken. He says, and I need you to understand that it's already been made available so that you don't come short just because you don't see it today. Because just because you don't see it today in your life doesn't mean that it's not there. It's already there because the promise was left to you. Say, I have. Exceeding, exceeding and precious, precious promises. You ought to give the Lord some praise for that. You have a basket of promises with your name on it that cannot be infiltrated, that cannot be diluted, and that cannot be taken away from you. They belong to you because God promised it. And if God promised it, then can't nobody unpromise it. Now notice what he says in the next verse, though. In the next verse, he says, in verse 2, that he says, for unto us was what? Now, what is gospel? It means nearly too good to be true news. He says, man, you got some news that was nearly too good to be true. He says, and it wasn't just preached to you. It was also preached to other people, too. It says, but the word that was preached, this gospel, this nearly too good to be true good news, the fact that God's already blessed you with everything you're ever going to need, the fact that you're already healed, the fact that depression doesn't belong to you, the fact that there is no lack in your life, the fact that your marriage is healed and whole, the fact that you are confident in the job that you have and if you lose it God will give you another one all of those things he says all of those things are available he says but the word the gospel that they heard did not what profit them it didn't cause them to excel it didn't cause them to go above why because the word they heard was not mixed with what 
faith. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, hey, hey. when you hear word, it must be mixed with faith. So what is faith? Now watch this. We've taught this this way, that faith is corresponding action. I still believe that, but I think it's deeper than that. It's not just corresponding action. It's actually corresponding action based on something. Because if God tells you to go left and you go left, but you don't know anything about the God you're going left for, it doesn't benefit you. How do I know? Because how many times in the past have we done something that God told us to do, but we didn't take time to figure out why God was telling us to do it or who the God was that was telling us to do it, and we didn't receive anything from it? Faith is based on knowledge. Pastor Edwin, how can you say that? I'm going to show it to you. Go to 2 Peter. I was talking to God. I was like, God, there are times I've done stuff you told me to do, and I ain't getting nothing out of it. He said, and literally, he said anybody could have told you to do it. It's what you wanted to do. So it didn't matter that I told you to do it. Anybody, you didn't, know, you didn't know anything about me or why I would tell you to do it. He says, faith comes from knowing who I am. Here's a prime example that we skip over all the time. What did Peter say to Jesus when he saw him when they were on the, when they were on the water? He said, Lord, if it be you. He said, yeah, not your will. He said, if it be you. It, Lord, if that is you, if, if I know it to be you, then let me come. He said, it's me, come. And the Bible says that Peter walked on the water until when? He got his focus off of who was talking to him. The moment you lose sight of who God is, faith doesn't work. The moment you lose sight of who God is in the situation, your faith doesn't exist. Not your spiritual faith. You have spiritual faith and you have human faith. What is human faith? Human faith is what you exercised today when you came here and sat on that chair. All of you right now are sitting on a chair that you probably never sat in before. When you sat on that chair, did you inspect that chair before you sat down? Did you make sure that the legs were tight? Did you make sure that the back of it was on there tight? Did you make sure that the cushion was on there that it wasn't going to hurt you if you sat too long? No. You just came in and you just plopped yourself down in that chair. Why? Because your human experience says a chair with four legs will support me. And you put all, literally, all your weight on it. God said, won't you put all your weight on me? If you'll put all your weight on a chair, you ought to put all your weight on me. But you can't put your weight on something you haven't had an experience with. You, you, you ever, listen, one of our kids, I forget which one, was terrified of grass. See, was it, was it Jordan? Was terrified of grass. Now, now watch this. We was, now, Pastor would say, stop that. I would take her and, and I would put her foot on the, on the grass. And the moment she touched it, she'd get that leg way back there. I mean, she jumped that leg up. Why? She didn't have any experience with grass. It was new to her. It terrified her. Come on. Come on now. Sometimes God is asking you to do something and you're terrified because you have no experience with God. 
But if I can get you to have an experience with God, you can overcome your fear of obeying God. Right now, she goes in the grass. Because she had enough experience. If you get enough experience with God, you can do anything. How do you get experience with God? Through the knowledge of him. Second Peter, it says grace and peace be multiplied. That's shouting right there. Grace and peace. He says be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God. How is grace and peace going to get multiplied? Through the what? Not through your shouting. Not even through your giving. Not through your praying and not through your fasting. Grace and peace. Grace, the power of God and peace. Nothing missing, nothing broken. It gets multiplied in your life when you get to know God. The more you know God, the more grace shows up. Because the more you know God, the more of his power shows up. The more you know God, the more peace you have because you understand that God ain't never failed. And so if God ain't never failed and you got the ain't never failed in your life, that means you can't ever fail. He says, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. It says, according, watch this, as his divine power hath given unto us, somebody say this with me, all things. Say it again, all, say it again. He has given us what? Oh, not some things, not most things, not maybe every now and then. He has already given us what? All things that pertain unto life and godliness. It says, how did he give it to us? Now watch this. Grace and peace is get, grace and right. Grace and peace gets multiplied. How? Through the knowledge of him. How do we access the all things he gave us? So if I can get you to know God, I can get you to get everything you need. Come on. If I can get you to know God, I can get you to have every desire of your heart met because he has already given you all things. He's given you all things that pertain to what? Life and godliness. It says, through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue, whereby are we given unto us exceeding Great and precious promises. Remember Hebrews? Those promises has been left us. He said they are not only promises. He says, but they are great and they are precious promises. It says that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. He says you don't have to go after things because God already has the things that you desire. Watch this. You don't have to go after things that you desire because God has the things you desire. All you got to do is get a hold to God and God already got the things that you're chasing after. But how do I get that? Through the knowledge of him. I got to spend some time getting to know God. The Bible tells us that we can look at earthly things to receive spiritual knowledge. Anytime that you are in a dating relationship, when you are dating, why are you dating? Because you want to get to know that person. You don't get to know a person because y'all get together and sit on the couch and don't talk to each other ever. That's why Netflix and chill don't work. 
that's why it don't work. Because you don't get to know the other person. Because you ain't talking about nothing. You just watching a movie and then chilling. So when you want to know a person, you spend time with them. You talk to them. You commune with them. In fact, when you really want to know a person, you have to control yourself not to try to spend too much time with them. I tell people all the time, people knew I was serious about my wife because for 13 weeks in a row, I drove from Conway, Arkansas to Fayetteville when there wasn't no interstate. No, no, see y'all, see, 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 y'all got an interstate now. Y'all got 540, 49 now. No, 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 you couldn't get but to Alma. And you had to take Highway 23, the pig trail, all the rest of the way. So, and I didn't get off to seven. Oh. Not seven, seven. <laughs> Which means it was a two and a half hour, supposed to be three hour drive. In the dark. But when you want to know somebody, you don't let stuff stop you. When you want to know God, you don't let being tired stop you. When you want to know God, you don't let not having some money stop you. When you want to know God, you don't let somebody else's bad attitude, even your bad attitude, stop you from getting to know God. So how do we get the stuff we want? Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, God does not have a problem with stuff. He doesn't. He doesn't have a problem with stuff. It, it is crazy that people think that somehow God has a problem with stuff. He told the people in the Old Testament, he said, it's I, the Lord God, who giveth you the power to get wealth. And the only caveat was when you get it, don't forget about me. He says, when you get what I've given you the power to get, don't forget about me. We can use our illustration again. Things God you. He says, listen, don't trip on the stuff, but don't go around me trying to get it. Come through me to get the stuff, and when you get the stuff, don't forget about me. So how does all of that happen? It comes because we get a knowledge of who God is. That's what faith is about. Faith says, here's who God is. Here's what God has done. Here's why God has done it. And here's why it can't be stopped. When you get that revelation, nothing can stop you. I remember the first time I ever got the revelation that God hears my prayers. Because the reality of it is I wasn't sure that God heard my prayer unless what I prayed for came to pass. I ain't the only one that been there. I ain't the only one that been there. Yo, I can, you can put your head down if you want to. I ain't the only one been there. I'm like, Lord, this is what I need to happen. And when it happened, I'm like, hey, the Lord heard my prayer. No, no, no. The Lord hears our prayers before we see it. But you don't know that if you don't get to know God. If you don't get to know how God functions and how God works, you don't get to know that. There's so many things we don't know about God because we have relied on what somebody else told us about God rather than what we've had a chance to experience for ourselves. Now, notice this. The verse says that all things that pertain unto, unto life and godliness are given to us through the knowledge of God. This is critical and it's important for us to understand. Why? Because whenever we see the word faith in the Bible, the word faith in the Bible is always talking about a belief in your God, a belief in your God. So let's go back to our old definition of faith. Our old definition of faith is corresponding action based on a word. So God gives us a word and we respond. The question becomes, why do we respond? 
Why do we do, like, like the, Lord, the Lord says give, right? Why do we then give? You can't just give to say, well, I give because the Lord said so. That sounds pious, but it don't produce nothing. Because you don't have any belief in the very system that you're giving into. God says to give because I will use what's precious to you to cause it to come back to you in greater form. He says, be not deceived. God is not marked for whatever a man soweth, that must he also. So therefore, you got to know God is not a liar. (laughs) When it comes to giving, you got to know that God is not a liar. If God tells me to give, I can never come up short. If you don't know that your giving will always be in vain. Your faith is in the knowledge of why God said give. God told me to give because it's his system for causing me to increase. Why does God tell me when I'm sick and I don't feel well to say that I am healed? Because God is a being who believes in speaking things into existence. If you don't know that about your God, you think what we do during confession is just time filler. You think it's just something we do because we can't go straight into praise and worship. Listen, we could. We could come in here at 930 and at 931 they could sing a song. But we do confessions because it's part of God's system. It gives you the opportunity to say something and we always ask you, why do we say what we say? Because words produce life. Why do we say it over and over and over? Because God's system says, for as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So if we can get you to say the right thing, we can get it in your heart. If it gets in your heart, when something happens, you won't say the wrong thing, but you'll say the right thing. And then you'll get to experience blessings on top of blessings, on top of blessings, on top of blessings. That's why we do it. But if you don't have a knowledge of it, you'll stay at home while we're doing confession. Come on. You won't see the value in showing up on time to be a part of our corporate confession. You will wonder why other folks are being blessed, but it's taking a long time for you because you don't have that knowledge of him. If you don't have the knowledge of him, it hinders what you do. Amen, somebody. Listen, faith is what brings the things that God has already provided for us from a spiritual realm into the physical realm. Pastor Sean said it earlier. Faith is not tomorrow. Faith is Now, faith is now. When I believe God and I know who God is, it happens now. A prime example we find in the book of Matthew, the story of the Seraphonician woman. I I go back to that so many times because if you understand the magnitude of that story, you would understand why it's important to know God. Now, here's a woman who is not a Jew. She is a Seraphonician woman. She is a Gentile. She has heard about this Jesus who has come for the Jews. She's heard about his healing power. She's heard about all the miracles that he's done. And she has an opportunity to encounter this Jesus. And what she says, because knowing full well she's not a Jew, knowing full well she approaches him. And she talks to him about her daughter. And she asks Jesus to heal her daughter. And Jesus says to her, it is not meat. In other words, it's not right. It's not the time for me to heal your daughter. I have came for the children of Israel, and you are not one of them. The Bible says she asked again, and basically he blew her off again and said, nope, this ain't for you. 
I came for the children of Israel that they may have restoration in their lives. And then she said to Jesus, she said, truth. She acknowledged him for who he was. She said, truth, Lord. She said, but even a dog gets the opportunity, watch this, to eat the crumbs that fall off the master's table. In other words, she said, I know who you are. I ain't got to have what you're going to give the children of Israel. I know who you are so much that if I can just grab hold to a crumb, if I can just get what you have cast away, it'll be more than enough to heal my daughter. When you get to know God, you don't need God to pop the sky wide open. You don't need God to step down into your life. You're like, Lord, you just send, just send some dew from your forehead down this way, God. When you get to know who God is, well, watch, that's not the end of the story. Because in that story, when you read it, Jesus, he marveled at what she said. And then what Jesus did is Jesus left where they were. And he reached into a time when he was already crucified on the cross. A time that became available to both Jew and Gentile and brought her back the healing that she needed now. Faith ain't tomorrow. Faith is now when you believe in the person whom faith is about. Yes. Hallelujah. Take a name and say faith, faith. is based faith. on knowledge. That's why the Bible says in 1 John 5 and 4, it says we, it says we have overcome the world. It is, it is faith that has given us the victory that has overcome the world. It says even our faith. So what causes us to be victorious? Our faith. But what is our faith? Our knowledge in who he is. So then, so, so then how, do we, how do we ascertain this faith? Now the Bible says that, that, that God has given to every man a measure of faith. God has given to every man a measure of faith. But how many know you can have something but don't know how to access it? I don't know if, you, if this ever happened to you, but I, there's been times that I have, I have forgotten my PIN number. And, 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 you know, nowadays, they make you change your password at work every 60 days. They make you change your person every 60 days. You got to have a, a, a special character, two numbers, a capital letter, and, and a, and a kickstand with it. I mean, they make they get so much stuff to have, you can't remember it all. So there's been times that I have forgotten my PIN number. Now, now, now watch this. Having millions of dollars in the bank don't do you no good if you can only access it through your PIN number and you forget the PIN number. Sometimes that's how we are as believers. We have access to everything we need, but we're not using the PIN number. We're trying to use our intellect. We're trying to use our network, our connections. We're trying to use everything else we got except the PIN number. Tell your neighbor, say the pin number is faith. So the Bible says, how do you access this then? Romans 10, 17 says it like this. It says, faith cometh by hearing what? The word of God. Now notice that. It didn't say faith came by fasting. It didn't say faith came by church attendance. It didn't say faith came by, it didn't say faith came by praying. Come on. It says faith comes by 
and hearing the word of God. So if you want to access the faith that you've been given a measure of, you got to hear the word of God. Why do I have to hear the word of God? Because when I hear the word of God, it's like dating. I'm, I'm getting to know them. See, there's probably not many situations that you could go to Pastor Sean and say, if X happened, what would Pastor Edwin do? Because for 23 years, she spent time getting to know what I'm going to say or do. In fact, sometimes she'll ask me a question. I'll answer it. And she'll be like, I already know what you're going to say. And there are times when she'll ask me something. And in my mind, I want to say something different. Because I already know she know. But since I practice not lying, I have to tell the truth. And she already know. Why does she already know how I'm going to respond to so many different situations? We spent time. She got the knowledge of who I am. That's why we tell people that when you... If you got a good friend, and I ain't talking about just somebody you cool. If you got a good friend and somebody coming to you and they tell you that your friend said X, Y, and Z, you already know. You're like, y'all, you, you, they, they ain't say that. Now, they may have said something, but they ain't say what you just said because my friend, I know my friend, they wouldn't say that. You lying. But if you don't know somebody really well, if you ain't spent time, man, you don't know what they're going to say. So you don't know whether they said it or whether they didn't. That's the reason you got to get to know God. Because God may tell you something, but then folk who don't know God will try to talk you out of what God just told you. See, you can't talk Pastor Charette. You can't talk Edwin and Sean Strickland out of giving, and you can't talk Pastor Charette out of healing. Too much experience. Too much knowledge. Listen, you can't, there are just some things you can't talk folk out of when they've had experience with it. But when you ain't had experience with it, then based on how you feel, your human faith kicks in. What is human faith? Human faith is about what I can hear. It's about what I can see, what I can smell, what I can taste, and what I can touch. If, it's, if it functions in that realm, then I can deal with it. But watch, most of the thing God wants to do for you is not going to be in the human realm. God ain't into small vision. Tell your neighbor, say, God, God is, not is not into, into small, vision. small vision. So when God gives you a vision, God gives you a vision so big that he makes you have to ask him how to get it done. But if you don't get to know God, if you don't get to know how he operates, then you'll become frustrated with something that was supposed to make you successful. Hear me, the amount of faith that you operate in is directly proportional to the revelation knowledge that you have of who God is. The amount of faith that you operate in is directly proportional to the revelation knowledge that you have of who God is. And watch this. I'm going to add this through his word. Yeah. Through his word. There's been a lot of people who have tried to sell us on who God is. And God bless them. They didn't know God. They, 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 they didn't really know God. And if you don't really know God, you can't really. It's like, it's like okay, like, 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 like I'm not a techie, techie person, right? So, so I, 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 if you ask me to teach you code, 
If you give me an hour, I can learn enough words to make you think I know something, but your stuff going to be jacked up. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. It's going to sound good when I get through because I got a little piece of intellect, and if I read something, I can regurgitate it almost word for word. That don't mean I know anything about it. But I can regurgitate it. And a lot of folks just regurgitate the word. They have no experience. They know nothing tangible for themselves. They just regurgitate the word. And the problem is, is that if you just regurgitate words, it never has power in your life. Nothing is better than experience. No, listen, we used to say this all the time. Sometimes, sometimes you get taught a lesson and sometimes you, get bought, sometimes you buy a lesson. You might repeat a taught lesson. You might, you might, you might. Depending on what it was, somebody told you, you weren't really sure, you tried, it didn't work, you thought, oh, well, maybe I did. Le- baby, let me tell you something. When you buy a lesson, <laughs> let, let me tell you something. When you get your tail whooped from buying that lesson, when you lay in the bed crying because you bought that lesson, when you about to lose your mind because you bought that lesson, when you don't know what you're going to do because you done bought that lesson, you don't ever have to have nobody tell you to repeat that lesson again. <laughs> What God wants to do is to give you such an experience that when you get ready to buy another experience, he said, no, 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 don't buy that one. He wants to give you such an experience with him that literally when you get ready to do something that's going to end up being a bought lesson, he's going to say, no, 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 don't do that. You're like, oh, okay, hold on. I'm so glad I didn't do that. But the problem is so many people just keep buying these various lessons. You keep buying these lessons. And listen, you may learn something from it, but if you got the knowledge of him, you can accelerate. Yeah. Come on. Many people have found it difficult to operate in faith, and that is because they either don't have the real knowledge of God's word in them, or they have let the word slip, and they have been choked out by, by worldly situations. Listen, Matthew, you got to understand when that word comes, if you will allow that word to take root in your life, it will grow up and become. It will grow up and become. But it is the devil's job to cut that faith out of your life. Think about this. Why is it that the devil is always trying to discredit God? No, no, think about it. You have to really pause and become metacognitive about it. You have to say, okay, why is it that whenever I ask the Lord to do something, the devil's always trying to tell me that either God ain't going to do it or why God ain't going to do it for me? Why does he do that? Because he's trying to discredit the knowledge of who God is. Because he understands the only way he can stop you is to get you caught between two positions. If he can get you in a quagmire between believing God and not believing God, then you don't, then the Bible says you become a double-minded man. And the Bible says that if you're double-minded, you should not think you're going to receive anything from the Lord. So it's important for you to understand what the devil's trying to do. Here's what a pastor told me one time. He said, listen, you're an old man too. He said, if you need to know what the Lord said. <laughs> now that's how he said it. He said, if you need to know how, what the Lord said, whatever the devil say, believe the opposite. <laughs> Now, that's real talk. That's wisdom. He said, if you want to know what God is saying, whatever the devil is saying to you, believe the opposite. Because all he's ever trying to do is to discredit God. 
Listen, why does he try to discredit God? He wants fear to come in your life. What is fear? It's false evidence that appears real. He wants fear to come into your life. Why? Because fear and faith can't operate in the same space. The Bible says you're either going to be full of fear or you're going to be full of faith. And you can't have them both. They're reciprocals of one another. One's going to be on top and one's going to be on bottom. And so whatever you operate in is what's going to be produced in your life. Fear comes through carnal knowledge, though. That's where fear comes from. Faith is spiritual knowledge. Fear is carnal knowledge. Just like faith and all things that pertain to life and godliness come through spiritual knowledge, fear comes through carnal knowledge. Most Christians today, even spirit-filled believers, are so full of knowledge about how to operate in the world system, but they are extremely deficient in knowing how to operate in God's system. Oh, they can, listen, believers know how to operate in the world system. They, they, they know how to figure, they know how to figure out taxes and tax breaks and, and they know how to figure out when to do this and when to do that. But most of them are deficient in the things of God. And if you are deficient, watch this, in an area, you're going to tend to rely on where your strength is. Yes. So if you're deficient spiritually about the knowledge of God, you're going to rely heavily on your carnal knowledge. Now, carnal knowledge don't, and I hate that some churches teach carnal knowledge. The carnal knowledge is all about debauchery. That, that's, not, that's not what carnal knowledge is. Carnal knowledge, okay, when was the war of 1812? That's carnal knowledge. If you miss that, I want you to see me after class. I need to talk to you, and we need to revisit some things. Nineteen forty-seven, Pastor. No, 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 no. Uh, 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 uh. So that's carnal knowledge. Carnal knowledge is what I know in my mind because I've learned it. Okay? It's what I've accessed through my senses, through my soul realm. But faith is not accessed through your soul realm. Faith comes through your spirit man. And here's why faith is so powerful. Your spirit man is perfect. So when you operate in spiritual knowledge, your spiritual knowledge is perfect. That's a hard pill for somebody to chew. But the truth of the matter is the devil is terrified of you. If he, if he sees you just believing God based on who God is because he can't stop you. He can make folk hate you. He can get them to turn on you. He can, he, can, he can make tragedy come, but he can't stop you if you decide not to be stopped. And it terrifies him. So we got to make sure that we're not operating everything off carnal knowledge. What is carnal knowledge? The Lord says to you, I need you to pay this bill this day, this month. And you say, but I don't ever pay that bill until this day of the month. And God says, but I need you to go ahead and pay it right now. And you say, well, I don't, I don't usually pay it right now. That's carnal knowledge. Because you are taking information you have over information God's trying to give you. Now I use a simple one, but let's go up. Let's let's escalate a little bit. Let's let's go let's 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 go up on, on, on Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Let, let's talk about the fact that you love somebody, and the Lord said they ain't good for you. I need you to leave them alone. You need to get away from them. Ah, it get quiet in this sanctified church. Now I ain't talking about married folk. I'm talking about folk. folk God's trying to get you before you get in a bad situation. And he's saying to you, listen, this is not the one for you. 
I know she cute. I know he fine, but they ain't cute or fine for you. Come on. So now do I go off my carnal knowledge, but he's so sweet, but she's so kind. Do I stay with that or do I say, you know what? You a nice person, but you ain't the person God said. So let's just be cool so we don't hate each other. Carnal knowledge versus spiritual knowledge. When you get to know God, you won't even say to God, but God, why would you take them from me? When you get to know God, you won't even have that conversation. You won't even ask God, like God trying to do something to harm you. When is the last time God harms you? Say that. Say, God is for you. And so if God is for you, why would you cry and say, God, why would you take this from me? I was talking to the Lord. I said, Lord, I said, we need a building, God. I said, God, we're starting to grow a little bit. We need a building. We need a building, God. Because <laughs> sometimes you think if you say it louder, that's going to make God respond. <laughs> God, we need a building. If we just get a building, we're going to blow up, God. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> God said, you don't need nothing but what I tell you to get. He said, now you got the money and the credit to go get anything you want. But I ain't told you to leave that hotel yet. He said, I'm building something. And if you leave before time, your foundation won't be strong. Watch this. He said, now do you still need a building? I said, Lord, we love this hotel. It's straight, God. It's good, God, man. It's awesome. It's awesome, Lord. I called a dude in the front desk, Jordan. I said, Jordan, we ain't talking about dates for next year, man. Listen, you cannot try to accelerate beyond God. You got to learn to get in behind God and stick there and know that God is, wo- is, is walking out a path for you. Amen. Yes. Galatians 5.22 tells us that faith is part of the fruit of the spirit. When we talk about the fruit of the spirit, it's not the fruits. It's not an S. It's the fruit. One thing, the fruit of the spirit. I would be like, I would be like well, I'm cultivating, I'm cultivating my love wall. No, you don't get to cultivate one area. It is the fruit. It's like an orange. It's all of it. So when we talk about love, when you talk about your love and faith, long suffering is a part of that. Self-control is a part of that. Meekness is a part of that. So Galatians 5.22 says we got to cultivate the fruit of the spirit. Now consider this. Have you ever seen a plant struggle to bring forth fruit? You take a, you take, you take a seed and you put that seed in the right ground. You give that seed the right soil, you give it the right water, the right fertilizer, the right sunlight, the right amount of rain, that seed always produces fruit. It's why Jesus was agitated with the fig tree. Because the fig tree didn't have any figs on it. And he's like, you can't be a fig tree and don't have figs. You can't be a believer and don't believe. So the Bible says when he saw the fig tree, he's cursed the fig tree, not cussed it. <laughs> so you have to help people, Misha. You have to help. You have to help because they get excited. They be like, oh, yeah, Jesus done cussed the tree. No, no, no. He cursed it, meaning he said, no man shall eat from you ever again. You're going to wither away and die. Okay? He ain't cuss it out. He cursed it. Now, the Bible says that Jesus said it and didn't think no more about it. The Bible says the disciples, they went on and went to another town. They came back a few days later and saw the tree. They was like, oh, my Lord. 
Look at that tree you spoke to. It's dried up by the root. And the Bible, if you read it, because see, I think a lot of times we read the Bible, no matter what Jesus say, we keep his inflection the same. I mean, no matter what, we keep Jesus' inflection just the same across the board. I'm disappointed with thou. How long must I suffer you? He was like, man, how long y'all going to walk with me and not catch on to who I am and that when I say something, it come to pass. And not just me, but you too, if you believe in me. And so we find out here that if, a, that, that if you put a seed in the ground, it always produces fruit. Think about it. Have you ever heard a vine moan and groan and complain because it was hard to produce the grapes? No, the vine's purpose is to produce grapes. So whatever process it has to go through to produce it, it just goes through it. Why am I talking about fruits and plants? Because the Bible says that everything that is inside of, that everything that is needed is contained inside the seed. Everything that seed needs to become what it needs to be is in, think about it. You put a seed in the ground and you get a vine, you get leaves, you get fruits, you get thorns, you get all of that from inside the seed. God says you are a seed. And everything you need to produce everything in your life that pertains to life and godliness is on the inside of you before you ever hit this earth because I designed it that way. I designed it that way. Sometimes you need to stand in the mirror and look at yourself and say, everything you need, boy, is already on the inside of you. You need to talk to yourself and say, it ain't nothing you can't do because every assignment you've been assigned to, God already made it available. And you get to talking to yourself like that, and before you know it, you start believing it. And when you start believing it, then you're not just believing it because you've seen it, but because God already said it. And then things start to come to pass in your life. So it is with the Christian believer then. Faith will, will automatically be the byproduct of abiding in the word. Just like fruit comes from, from the seed, it just comes. That's how faith comes when you get in the word. Don't you ask another time for more faith. Don't you ask God to give you more faith, not never, ever again. You don't need more faith. You need to know him better. Because if you know him better, faith is a byproduct of that. And I get it. That's that's the reason some people are able to receive so fast. It has nothing to do with the amount of faith they have. It has everything to do with the amount of knowledge they have or who gave them the faith. And if you get to know God, your life will accelerate. Amen? Amen. The problem has been that truthfully, the knowledge of God's word has not been abiding in us. Now, what does this word abide mean? Abide means to rest. How many of you know that if you plant a tree in your yard, then unless there's some kind of storm or something, that tree's going to be in the same place. Yeah. I mean, you don't pull up at your yard every day going, I wonder where that tree is. <laughs> Did it move? No, no, no. If you plant a tree on the left side of your house, you expect that tree to be there. It's, it, it's, it's, it's abiding there. It, the, the tree don't be like, man, I don't like how the wind blow on this side of the house. I'm going to come over here and plant myself right here. Right. <laughs> Trees don't do that. They abide where you put them. God says we need to learn to abide in him, to abide, to rest, to put down roots, to be still, to not move. And so no matter what comes, we don't leave God. No matter what happens, we're not saying, well, I don't know if if God wanted me to do that or not. Listen, if you get a word from God, 
Do not allow circumstances to allow you to talk yourself out of what God said to you. Listen, the Lord told us to be married. That didn't mean everything was roses. It didn't mean we didn't have some real work to do. It didn't mean that we didn't have to figure out how we were going to stay together and how we was going to make it and, and how we were going to be able to have a functioning relationship. Just because God gives you a word doesn't mean it ain't going to be obstacles to overcome. Having faith don't mean you don't have to you don't have to overcome something. Faith means I can overcome something. So we got to make sure that faith is abiding in us. We have to make sure the carnal knowledge or the world or, or, or the knowledge of the world doesn't come and choke out God's word in our life. This word abiding we talked about means lasting a long time. It means to endure. It means to persist. It means to continue, to remain, to survive, to stand, to be durable, to be everlasting, to be perpetual, to be eternal, to be in, in, unending, to be constant, to be permanent, to be unchanging, to be steadfast and immutable. Listen, when we talk about not moving, whatever words you want to come up with, they got one for you. But we do not move. When God tells us to do something, we stay. We stay with it. Tell your neighbor, say neighbor. Neighbor. Part of growing growing. uh, spiritually Spiritually. is learning learning. how not to be moved. moved. My God. Learning how not to be moved. We can't always be moved because of outside circumstances. It can't be like God told us it's going to be the best summer of our life and gas prices go. We go, well, maybe next summer. (laughs) I mean, you just can't move because things change. You just got, I don't care how high gas prices get. We've already declared this is going to be the best summer of my life so far. So no matter what happens, I'm sticking with that word. So we got to make sure that we're abiding, amen? Listen, Bible says in Romans 4, 17, it says this. It says, God calleth those things which be not as though they were. God's faith goes beyond sight. God's faith operates supernaturally beyond the limitations of our natural faith. And that is so important because while we are an astute ministry, while we believe that you ought to be a student of the word, while we believe that you ought to be able to comprehend things in a sequential fashion, we are not going to ever throw away the supernatural power that comes with God. Amen. I mean, it would be great if we could plan everything we need. But, we, but our needs are so big because the vision God has given us, we know we got to have some supernatural. When you do the natural and you believe in God, he'll put his super on it. And it'll become supernatural. One of the things I don't want to miss in this teaching is that we're not telling people you don't have to do something. That what we're telling you is that the doing something doesn't produce it. Does that make sense? If God says go left, you got to say you got to go left. You can't just be like, well, it don't matter which way I go because God already done it. No, that's not what we're saying. What we are saying is that, yes, you go left, but you go left because you know that God's already done what you need in the left direction. That's why we do it. So, yes, there'll be times we'll have to ask God, Lord, what should I do next? And God wants you to ask those questions and God will give you that revelation. He'll give you that insight. But you got to make sure that you're asking God those questions because he wants you to because he's leading you and guiding you. 
Romans 4, Romans 4, 17 explains this action by saying that God calleth those things would be not as they, they as though they were. Because the context of this verse from Romans speaks about how God supernaturally blessed Abraham and Sarah with a child there in, in their old age. Abraham was 100 and Sarah was 91 when Isaac was born. The year before Isaac's birth, when Abram still did not have a child by his wife, God told them that the child was coming. Now, you got to understand here is this man who hadn't had a child forever. And here's a woman who's 91 years old who hadn't had a child. And even though they lived a lot longer than we did, it was still considered to be old for a woman not having a child. But the word came to them. And if you read over there in Romans, it says Abraham staggered not. He staggered not through the that the words that the Lord gave him, the Bible says, through unbelief. But he was strong in his faith. He was strong in his faith. And I used to read that. And I used to be like, oh, Abraham was strong because he just kept confessing and believing. When you study that out, what it says is Abraham was strong in his faith. He was strong because he believed God. Not just believing, but he believed on a God who he had already had experience with. So his, his faith wasn't in that, I have so much faith. His faith was in, wow, God said it. So if God said it, I know it's coming to pass. And so when he says God called those things as, that be not as though they were, he was referring to the fact that if God says something and you don't see it, don't trip because God already saw it. Yes, yes. I'm going to say that again. If, if God says something in your life and you don't see it, don't trip because God only said it because he already saw it. Amen. So if God says you're healed and the doctor says it's looking bad, don't trip. God already saw the healing. If you go back the second time and they don't change, don't trip. God already saw the healing. And before you know it, if you hang in there and don't, don't let the world convince you that God was wrong, you will get to see what God saw. Yes. So it's important for us to understand that. The Bible talks about in Genesis chapter 1 verse 3, it tells us that God created light on the first day. Now watch this. Genesis chapter 1 verse 3. I don't know. Did I ask you to put that one up there for me? Genesis 1 and 3. And watch this. It says, and God said, let there be what? Light. And there was light. that it say Genesis, Genesis. One, one and three. And three. Now let's go forward to Genesis 1, 14 and 19. Now look at Genesis chapter 1, 14. Now what do we read first? Genesis 1 and 3. Then we went to Genesis 1 and 14. And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven. To divide the, from the, and let them be for the signs, and for seasons, and for days, and for years. Next one. It says, and let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. Now, now, now let's just pause for a second. In Genesis 1 and 3, God needed some light. So God said, let there be and there was then he was like oh I guess I ought to create a source so later on he said oh <laughs> I gotta create a source for the light so that it makes sense to scientists 
So, so he went back and he said, so it says, and God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, that's the sun, and the lesser light to rule the night, that's the moon. He made the stars also, because why not? <laughs> Next verse. And God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light. Where? On the earth. God doesn't need you to know a source before he declares it. God doesn't need you to have a job before he declares that you're well taken care of. I read this and I was like, yo, wait a minute. God created light because he needed it. But then it was like, oh, but the scientist going to trip. So let me create the sun, let me create the moon, let me create the stars, let me put a little light on the earth, but just know, I don't need a source to do anything because I am the source. And if you don't get nothing out of today, you need to understand that by knowing God, you, don't, you, you got everything. When you know you're God, you got everything. You don't, you, don't, you don't have to have the source. God tells you, I'm going to put you back in school. They don't have to tell you you got the scholarship money yet. They don't have to explain to you how it's going to work. God says, I am the source. And as the source, all you need from me is a word. He said, let there be and the Bible says, and there was. Why? Because the source said so. The source said, how you going to get out of debt? The source said so. How you going to get healed from that? The, the source said so. How you going to reconcile that relationship? The source said so. How you going to get that new job, though? You know they ain't hiring. The source said so. And when the source says so, it's already done. In fact, I ain't even got to preach no more. If you, if you just, you ought to just, you ought to just stick, you can stick a fork in there. I'm going to say these other nine pages. Listen, when God declares something is going to be done in your life, you need to stop wondering how and just know that because he said it, it's a done deal. If you ever did an example, go back to Genesis. Just read it. He created a source. He, he created light when there was no source for light. Because he didn't need a source for light when he was the source. And God is your source. He says, I've given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. All you got to do is get to know me. He said, if you get to know me, your faith will grow in direct proportion to how much you know me. The more you know me, the more faith you will see exercised. He said, don't let anybody fool you. Don't let anybody trick you into thinking there's anything else but this. And that is that knowing me, who I am and why I do what I do, it'll produce all the faith that you need. So you never say faith is based on knowledge. Come on, give the Lord some praise. We're done for today. That's a good stopping place. That's a good stopping place for us today. Listen, I just want you to get confident in the fact that you serve a God who loves you, man.